What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. Today we're going over seven running backs that had fairly mediocre seasons in 2022, talking about their chances of returning to high-end production this year. First up, we've got Jonathan Taylor. Taylor had just under 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns as a rookie, and then 2,171 yards, 20 touchdowns in year two, before in year three, injuring his ankle, gaining just over 1,000 yards, only four touchdowns, through 11 games finishing as a mid-range running back two in points per game. This season, gonna be transitioning into Anthony Richardson at quarterback, which certainly does add a lot of risk. There's a risk that maybe it takes a little while for him to develop just given, you know, how he kind of had uh, a lack of experience in college uh, and maybe that the offense doesn't make as many strides as we're hoping for this season because they weren't good last year we're hoping they're going to be a little bit better this year but there's a risk that they just aren't there's also a risk that you know even if the offense does improve that a massive part of Richardson's game is his ability to run he's the most athletic quarterback in the history of the NFL and especially near the goal line he's a huge threat near the goal line to steal rushing touchdowns he could easily rack up seven or eight rushing touchdowns and that would obviously hurt jonathan taylor's rushing upside uh his you know 12 20 touchdowns those two years prior to last year they came with carson wentz with philip rivers at quarterback who ran for a combined two touchdowns in those two seasons the colts were also eighth in scoring in those two years which I would say even if we're hoping for an increase in production from the Colts this season, it would be a lofty goal to say that they're going to increase with Richardson at quarterback to eighth in scoring. And I keep saying Richardson at quarterback. I know that maybe there's a chance that Minshew starts the season, but they've been pretty clear. It would make sense that Richardson's going to start very early in the season. Maybe it's not week one, but you should just assume when you're drafting Colts players this year that Anthony Richardson will start most games again maybe one or two weeks with Minshew but there's no point in them starting Minshew for a while Richardson just needs to develop they're not going to be like making the playoffs likely probably not making the playoffs they're not going to be doing anything if they happen to squeak into the playoffs it makes all the sense in the world for them to develop Anthony Richardson best chance of doing that is just getting him on the field and playing him so I think he's going to start early in the year ultimately I don't think Taylor reaches his 2,000 yard 20 touchdown days this season but he also doesn't have to to pay off his ADP, right? If he was going, you know, first, second, third overall, yeah, I mean, he needs to have a phenomenal year, go back to that rookie year, second year production. But if he hit, you know, 12, 1300 yards, 10, 12 touchdowns, that would be fine at his ADP. And even if Richardson runs for a lot of touchdowns, Taylor can still hit those numbers. 20 touchdowns, maybe not, right? If you have a mobile quarterback, that's probably not going to happen. But if he's in that, you know, 10, 12, maybe 13 touchdowns, that's fine if Richardson's running some in. Uh, he is just an incredible talent, a very high upside player. And especially if the offense leans a little bit more run heavy, which you would expect them to do with Richardson, he's someone that can push for also the league lead in rushing yards. You know, if they're not throwing as much and he's getting a ton of work on the ground, he is someone that can do that. And I always go back to the touchdown split in my mind because it is really important. Like the touchdowns are such an important thing when trying to figure out what the ceiling is with Jonathan Taylor. And I think, okay, it's bad, obviously, if Richardson runs for like seven or eight touchdowns, but it's fine if they're just scoring touchdowns at a higher rate 
on the ground. Like, do we really care if Richardson, instead of throwing for those seven, eight touchdowns, runs for them? Like, if, if Taylor wasn't going to get them anyways, I don't care if Richardson ran for them or threw for them. It'll impact Pittman. It'll impact, like, Pierce, Downs, the tight ends. Obviously, it's going to impact their receiving touchdown upside. But I don't really care for Jonathan Taylor. And so it's possible we just see them have a really high rushing touchdown rate that basically every single time they're getting inside the 10-yard line, it is one of Jonathan Taylor or Anthony Richardson scoring a touchdown. And if that happens, well, maybe Taylor can come close to 20 touchdowns. uh, And maybe we are getting a phenomenal discount on underdog. It's like the late second round at times. But on every single platform, he's not going as a top three running back. He's like the running back four or five. I mean, if they're just running the ball every time they get close and Taylor's very obviously their best running back, maybe he will go back to being a top three consensus pick next year like he was last season. So again, not expecting 2,000 yards, not expecting 20 touchdowns, but I do think he's going to have a bounce back and I think he's going to be a really good pick this season. Next up, we have Najee Harris. Harris was great in fantasy uh, as a rookie. He gained over 1,650 yards, 10 touchdowns thanks to 381 touches just a monster touch total for him as a rookie uh the touches dropped last year though which i mean you expect with anyone like anyone who has 381 touches we're not expecting that every single season so he drops in production uh because of the touches because uh his efficiency didn't go up obviously if the touches come way down you need efficiency to go way up uh that also didn't happen the efficiency actually went down uh had 400 free yards uh, he went from ninth in points per game down to 19th in points per game. Now, as many of you know, uh, if you watch the channel consistently, I'm not a very big fan of Najee. He is incredibly inefficient, and that's always a risky player to get behind because if the volume's there, who cares? If he has 380 touches, literally who cares how uh, efficient he is? He's going to be good in fantasy, and that remains a possibility. Um, it just scares me sometimes drafting players who require heavy volume because they're so inefficient uh, because when that volume does go away you see a huge drop in fantasy production which we saw in many weeks last season I mean he was one of the worst picks you could have made last season many people who drafted him did not make the playoffs also everyone loves to point to the foot injury last year but the difference was marginal he was better after he gets the plate removed, after he's 100% from the foot injury that he suffered, I believe it was, in training camp. But it wasn't massive, right? The plate was removed. He said he was 100% going into the week six game. His yards per carry from that point on was four. It was 3.8 on the whole season. Fantasy production, 13.2 points per game. It was 11.9 over the full season. So he, he got a little bit more efficient, a little bit better. But you can also say, well, they were winning more games, right? They were 1-4 early in the year. They were 8-4 uh, from that point on. And you know, running backs just produced better on winning teams. And so I don't really think the foot injury did all that much. And plus, it wasn't like he went from being you know insanely efficient as a rookie gets hurt then he's inefficient like he was inefficient as a rookie and then he was inefficient and usually that's just probably who he is he's a very high volume player someone they're going to feed touches to but he's not going out there and having five yards per carry that's just never something he's going to do uh the positive is that you like sort of don't need him to be so like last year you obviously did he was a first round pick uh, and we also didn't know that Jalen Warren was really going to be a thing and so you, I understand why people took him early last season um but like 
even understanding that Warren's going to get more touches this year, it's not like Warren is ever going to step in and have 17 touches per game. That is just never going to happen. Warren's probably going to get like 10 to 12 touches a week, uh, but also I think they can run it more. And so I just think there's going to be a lot of total opportunities for the Pittsburgh running backs to where they can easily give Warren, you know, 10, 12 touches because then they can also give Najee Harris plenty of touches on his own. He's probably going to go over 300 touches. Many of them will be on the ground. I think that they're going to um, feed a lot more touches to the running backs on the ground this season. But that's also not a huge risk because what I said before, he doesn't go in round one. Uh, if you kind of average all the ADPs in the major platforms, he's coming off the board 31st on average. That's roughly the mid-third round in a 12-team league as a running back 11. Well, at that point, he doesn't need to be inefficient. All that needs to happen, or doesn't need to be efficient, all that needs to happen is that he gets, you know, close to those 300 touches we're sort of expecting from him this year, can hover around 8 to 10 touchdowns. That's really all he needs, and he'll pay off that ADP. Um, so just given that level of volume that I am still expecting this year, I think he'll be a decent pick, someone that will return value at his ADP, though I don't think he's going to exceed value. I don't think he's going to be someone... You draft the mid-third round, the 11th running back off the board, ends up as like the running back three, dominates, you know, has like 17 touchdowns, 1,500 yards. I don't think that's going to happen. And so I think he'll return value, not necessarily exceed value. Next up, we have a combination of J.K. Dobbins and K. Makers. Um, I have a full in-depth breakdown of both of these players that I've done very recently. And so if you want like you know, a five, six-minute breakdown on each of them, I'll link those videos in the description. Uh, very quick takeaways from those videos uh, was that I am expecting both of those two running backs to break out this season. And I would consider both of them targets in fantasy. Uh, Dobbins is now two years removed from his knee injury, and I absolutely think that the Ravens are going to bounce back on offense this season now that everyone is back fully healthy, and they have made some great improvements at wide receiver, which off the top of your head, you're like, well, how does that matter for the running backs? It does just in the sense that like the offense is just going to be better. They're going to be more efficient on offense when you have more playmakers. They're going to score more points, which will lead to more touchdowns, which will help the running backs. They're going to be better teams. They'll be winning more, which helps the running backs. And so just increasing the talent level on offense is going to be good for J.K. Dobbins. I think it's going to be a very consistent, high-scoring offense. And even if they end up you know, throwing the ball more this season, which we are expecting them to do, that just means that Dobbins is going to take a larger share of the carries. They're still going to get Dobbins his touches, and he's easily their best receiving running back. And so when they increase the targets, well, he's going to get more production in the receiving game, which is obviously fantastic for fantasy. So I love Dobbins this season. I think he's going to have a breakout. Then for Akers, for him, it's more about just the lack of competition, right? There's such little talent behind him on the depth chart that he's just by far their most proven running back and by far their most likely to be productive. And the expectation is that he's going to be given every chance to be the lead back. Could he fail in that? Could he just be bad and then bring someone else in or use one of the backups? Sure. But if he's given every single opportunity to be that lead back, I personally think he's like talented enough to take advantage of that opportunity and he's going to be productive in fantasy. Also, he's a lot younger than people think. Like a lot of people wrote him off when he was like 23 years old. He just turned 24. He is less than a year older than Eric Gray, K. 
Kenny McIntosh, and Chase Brown, who are all rookies this season. Less than a year older than them. And there were people writing Cam Akers off when he was younger than those rookies. Like, imagine doing that. And so, um, given that, and given that he's not going to cost you an early pick, both of these running backs come off the board right next to each other in like the mid to late fifth round. That is a phenomenal range to grab these running backs, whether you're pairing that with like a hero RB build, taking a running back in the first or second round. Um, you could do it with an RB zero builder. Maybe it's even, you know, your third running back. You're going with a robust RB build. You've already got two stud wide receivers. You want to make this your third running back feel really good about the running back position. I just think they fit so many different builds, whatever you've started at you can be targeting them in that range and so i believe both extremely talented both in great situations come at a nice adp discount i think both are going to have really good seasons i think both are targets a running back that i'm not as sure about having a bounce back is javonta williams and that's not to say that i don't think that like or i think that he's gonna bust right i'm not saying that i'm just not as confident in a bounce back i'm pretty confident in acres dobbins and Jonathan Taylor as bounce backs this season. For Javonta Williams, there's just a lot more that needs to go right. Like, I know that JT, Najee, Akers, Dobbins, they're all good to go off of their injuries. Like, I don't even want to really mention Najee in that sentence because obviously he's good to go off the injury, but they all at least had injuries in the past. They're all good to go. Um, they're likely, you know, going to be lead backs for their offense this season, and they're going to be healthy. At least, you know, maybe they suffer an injury later in camp, but Right now, we can assume they're going to be healthy. For Williams, I mean, I don't know that he's going to be 100% to start the season. And I don't also know how he's going to look off the injury. That's a really important one. Like, when we saw Dobbins return last season, it was pretty obvious from everyone. You didn't have to be an NFL scout to see, oh, yeah, he's not exactly 100%, right? Sometimes it just takes an extra year for people to recover fully from a torn ACL. Not everyone, but especially when you have such a major injury like Dobbins had and like Javonta Williams did have, it just takes a year to really get to 100%. And then I don't even know if he's going to be the lead back this season. Like, I think he definitely will be when he's fully healthy, but Sean Payton was pretty excited to sign Samaja Pirine, and Pirine was like really productive when given the opportunities on the Bengals. I think he's a quality running back, not someone, again, when Javonta Williams is fully healthy, is going to actually challenge him for that lead role. Javonta Williams is a better running back than Samaja Pirine, and he also has far more upside. He could be a truly elite running back, whereas Pirine's more of like a 1B or number two, just someone that you want to like bring in as a change of pace back um, to spell the lead back, to be used in like two-minute situations. Like that's where he's best used. He's not a featured running back. But he's good enough to where if Williams is not fully healthy, maybe they do have a true 50-50 split for a really good chunk of the season. And also, like if, if we're not 100% sure that Denver's going to be an amazing offense this season, if you've got this split from a running back coming off this major injury on a team that might still not be highly productive on offense, not a lot of touchdowns, maybe he won't bounce back. So this is definitely one we're going to need to watch in camp. Uh, he's definitely going to open camp with a lot of off days as he recovers. Uh, we'll just see if he can fully ramp up by August, and we'll see how healthy he looks as well. Maybe he's playing the preseason. Maybe he's getting a lot of snaps in camps. But, like, how healthy does he look? I just worry how effective he's going to be in his first year off of this major knee injury. It wasn't just a normal torn ACL. It was a major knee injury. And so, personally, I put him into the same group as Najee, where... I'll definitely draft him, 
but it has to come at a value and I'm never, never going to be like jumping for joy when I click draft. The final two bounce back candidates are Clyde Edwards Alaire and Kareem Hunt. And I am not expecting a bounce back from either. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is just better than Clyde. And even if Pacheco got injured, I think there's a world where it's a three running back committee between Clyde, McKinnon, and Prince. Um, that definitely makes me sad because like, I like Clyde as a player. I liked him a lot coming out of college. He just hasn't proven it yet. And it's very clear at this point, Pacheco is their preferred option. He is the player that they want to be the lead back. And it just doesn't seem like even if Pacheco suffers an injury that they want to give Clyde a featured workload. So if his ceiling is maybe the number one, but in a three running back committee, and that requires an injury, I don't think it's overly likely he's going to bounce back. And then with Kareem Hunt, I do expect him to sign somewhere. And I think there's a number of teams that would, you know, really value his presence, uh, really value his pass catching ability. But I don't think he's going to sign with a team to be a starting running back. And we did see a pretty steep decline in production last season. And over the four, last four years, like he's maxed out at 12 carries per game. And so if we look at that as his absolute ceiling that he's still probably not going to hit, even in a best case scenario, I just don't see a team giving him heavy volume. I don't see him being highly productive. I think the most likely ceiling for him is like, honestly, eight to 10 touches per game. And there are plenty of rumors around the NFL that like, He's sort of cooked and that teams don't want him all that much. And so if the market isn't really there, if NFL teams think this, then maybe he is actually cooked. And if that ceiling's around 10 touches, how productive can he really be? I feel like you're just better off spending that, you know, very last pick in your draft on a running back that might do absolutely nothing, like Kareem Hunt might, but has a path to high-end production. So in terms of how likely I am to draft each of these running backs, just given you know their industry average ADP, my rankings would be Cam Akers, then Jonathan Taylor, then J.K. Dobbins, Javonta Williams, Najee Harris, Kareem Hunt, and then last would be Clyde Edwards, Elaire. And for like putting them kind of into tiers, Akers, JT, and Dobbins would be clear targets for me, players that I would really want to be drafting this season. Williams, Najee, both perfectly fine to draft if they become a value, but I'm definitely not going out of my way to draft them. And then Kareem Hunt, Clyde, fine as like late round dart throws. If you truly believe in them, why not in the last round? Honestly, like that pick should just be something you believe strongly in. I don't believe strongly in them, but if you do, fine, take them in the last round. Uh, I'm just not expecting them to do very much this season, and I'll probably take shots on different running backs in the later rounds. So I'll be back tomorrow to go over the biggest ADP changes over the last two weeks, Sunday for another underdog strategy video, and then Monday for another episode of Mock Draft Monday. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, hop behind the like button, hop subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.